You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. Is that the lemon tart? It is indeed. It is. And what's that one? So that's our almond tart. Pancha 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 walking, and attempting to read novels between long lunches, late dinners, Negronis in the Piazza and Pienza and Montepulciano. Bella was always present, frying zucchini flowers with me, pureeing the white peaches for sunset bellinis. There was one night when our children noticed that we had no tiramisu from the night before. When they heard it was in her family fridge, they climbed through the bushes and at midnight broke into their house and took it back. Bella is no longer just the daughter of our friends. She's my friend. When she and her husband Greg come to the River Cafe, they know the food they want to eat, the wine they wish to drink, and they always request a quiet table where they can just be together. Ask any young person working in the restaurant about Bella's books, and they'll tell you that Jargon shaped their life in a crisis or How to Kill Your Family was one of those books they could just not put down. Today in the River Cafe, Belle and I will talk about running, families, Tuscan holidays, and facing everything else. Welcome, Bella. Hi, it's so nice <laughs> to be here. What have you been doing? You've been in the kitchen making... Ricciarelli. The Ricciarelli, we started doing biscuits. We didn't used to do biscuits. We kind of did them in lockdown when we started the shop because um, people wanted to buy yeah. cookies, basically. And then the Ricciarelli are so interesting because they, you and I both lived so close to Siena and there's always that trip to Siena mm. that we would take in the summer. And I think that, you know, Ricciarelli are like their hometown biscuit. You go to so every bar in Siena and it's so local Italy that if you probably went to a bar 20 miles away, they wouldn't have them. But right. every single bar in Siena has Ricciarelli. Hi, I'm Polly. I am a chef here at the River Cafe Pastry Kitchen and I'm here with the lovely Bella Mackey teaching her how to make Ricciarelli. See, they look amazing. I've made them a few times before, but mine didn't look like that. Okay, so I would say it's probably when an issue of packing it with icing sugar. Yeah, so So, it need to be like eight times more icing sugar than you think. Yeah, way more. And then you almost kind of like put a little hat on it. Why don't I show you how to do that, actually? Yeah, show me how to do a little hat. That sounds good. When I say give it a little hat, you kind of tuck it under the icing sugar. Oh, I see. And give it a little dome. it's It's like a tree covered in snow. That is it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think classically it is a Christmas biscuit as well yeah. so very good very and what apt. will happen to the icing sugar on the top like the hat when it goes into the oven will it fall down or will it so fall? as the biscuit um kind of spreads out and cracks as you can see with the ones yeah. that we've we've got done that icing sugar kind of seeps into it and dries that crust out right 
and that's where you're getting the cracking it's where you're getting the nice like little bit of tan colour like under the actual icing sugar this is amazing two bits you can go wrong with Riccioli is not making sure that the meringue's been taken far enough so mm. it needs to really be like a, a stiff peak because yeah. it can be quite like slack and that makes it extra soggy or you get that thing where you think the top of your meringue is perfect and you look underneath and there's like water still almost it's so sad Um, yeah so make sure I'd always take it a couple of extra minutes and you think the meringue and then the second bit is making sure it's compacted and covered enough with the icing sugar and you're golden one of the things that I've learned is that baking is your passion because I think it's very interesting why does you know Polly become a pastry chef instead of a cook where she Mm. could make veal shins and everything there's a love of baking and pastry what is yours I think it's pastry and baking because I find it so intricate and I feel like the intricacy of it the kind of layers and the steps Mm. and the fiddliness of it really takes me out of my brain for a while. Mm. So I always, if I feel anxious or overwhelmed, I'll always go into the kitchen. I find mm. myself looking through recipe books and finding something complicated. So let's go back to growing up with food. Mm-hmm. And so I know, you know, both your parents worked, both your parents were, they loved to eat. There was you and your sister. So tell me what was sort of growing up in your household, food-wise, would you say? What are your memories? So what I can remember from early childhood is um, my grandpa was a farmer on my mum's side, so we were up in Scotland quite a lot on the farm, and it was very meaty, Mm. and it was very traditional. You know, everything... What kind of meat? Like, mainly pork and, Mm. and beef, but he didn't think that a meal was a meal without meat. So meat for breakfast, meat for lunch, meat for dinner. Breakfast? Yep. He had a breakfast. Sausages and bacon. But sausages, bacon, you know, I mean, he used to have a buffet tray where there was, you know, every type of meat, there were eggs. I mean, it was, he was a big eater. So it was, you know, it was a big tray. Um, and we Presumably were, you had somebody cook that, or did he cook it, or did him, you have a grandmother? my grandma, my mum, like everyone would muck in and yeah. cook, and, and then it would be presented to all the cousins, it was a big family, so we would eat, there would be a lot of food, and very big on potatoes, Scotland, because mm. he was a potato farmer. So Are we was, still at breakfast? Yeah, we're still at oh. breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fried potatoes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So neeps and tatties, and then, you know, again, lunch was meat, dinner was meat, um, so that was kind of the, the traditional food that I ate kind of with my enlarged family. And then in... Did he live to an old age? Yeah, think, he on was... That diet? Yeah, yeah, 97. Well, there you go. And drank a lot of whiskey. Yeah. Um, ate a lot of meat and was kind of an enormous horse of a man. Um, well... And yeah, why not? You know? I mean, it, it's not a coincidence that I would say 90% of his descendants are vegetarians. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? All your cousins? Yeah, all my cousins, two of my aunts, um, my mum. Your mum? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I became a vegetarian because we were staying on a farm for his 90th birthday, and I looked into the eyes of a cow, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I can't do that anymore. Was it that so, moment? Yeah, and I How never told him. How old were you? 25. Okay. Never told him, because I thought yeah. he would hate that more than, yeah. you know, Real betrayal. Anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then at home... Yeah, they both worked, and I think we ate quite a lot of kind of, you know, macaroni and cheese, Mm -hmm. spaghetti, you know. But again, Mm. the only thing I can really remember from when I was really young is just desperately trying to buy sweets all the time. Um, And I was a really fussy kid, and I mainly only liked white food, so I really liked chips, bread, Mm. pasta. um, And I was kind of really fussy right up into my 20s. I was a kind of really limited eater, and if you'd kind of offered me... I don't know, you know, hummus, mm-hmm. I would have said no. Yeah. I had such a bland, boring diet of kind of junk food, bread, 
carby, starchy things. Mm. And I was incredibly unadventurous. And yeah, and that took me really into my 20s, which is kind of pathetic. I have a great story about your mother, which I just remembered, which was that she told me that she once came home and your nanny, you had a young nanny, and you, you or your sister wanted a biscuit, and your nanny said, if you eat this biscuit, it'll make you fat. And she fired her. Oh, really? Yeah. And I thought that was so cool, <laughs> because I thought, you know, she's just like, do not ever say that to my children. Because I was you know. quite a fat kid, though. Were you a fat yeah, kid? Yeah, I was a fat yeah. kid, and yeah. I remember actually a woman in a hardware shop that we were in, the, the owner, came up to me and poked me in the stomach and said, you, you eat too much. People are crazy. Yeah, I think I was nine yeah. or ten. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of a fat kid, and I did eat, you know, an, an enormous amount of crap yeah. basically you know yeah. if it was kind of if it had e-numbers in it or came in a package my mum would always try and make you know food from scratch every night mm. and yet I really just wanted kind of chicken drumsticks mm. from a packet you know yeah. I really yeah so I did she make them for, did she let you have them? occasionally yeah. but you know yeah. I think I think she was sort of in despair really at like how little I wanted to eat and how limited I was and once I found something I liked that would kind of be it for six months you yeah. know that kind of slightly obsessive way yeah. of eating yeah. you know yeah. I'd find something I liked and that would be what I would eat for the next six months and what about your sister no she would eat anything yeah yeah, yeah. so she you would sit down what would dinners like would you all have dinner yeah we'd all have dinner together yeah we'd all have dinner together the four of us you know and he'd come back late so I'm used to eating late I mm. think from my childhood you know mm. I now kind of think I think nine o'clock is the perfect time to have Do dinner you? yeah mm. Very, very yeah. Italian, very I know. Spanish. I love yeah. it. You yeah. know, when someone says to me at seven, my heart sinks yeah. and I think, oh, please don't yeah. make me have the kind of early bird special. Yeah. So I'm yeah. used to eating late at night. And yeah, we would, we would have dinner together. And, and the only dinners I really remember from that kind of period were on Friday nights in the 90s, we would go to Pizza Express. Mm-hmm. And that felt so glamorous mm. and, you know, continental. And, you know, it was the first time I had kind of pizza that wasn't from a packet which one did you go to Islington um so yeah so yeah it wasn't it wasn't for a long time and you know in my in my teens and 20s I just ate I can't tell you you'd be so disappointed if you saw my diet back then it was kind of buckets of ice cream grab bags of crisps I used to make myself like bowls of pasta that are kind of you know laden down with pasta I just that's what you like yeah it was comfort food all of it was comfort food because I was quite unhappy and so I would eat kind of bland warm soft food that can kind of fill me up you're gonna have a really hard time getting me to judge your your (laughs) eating habits but I think that it is interesting when you talk to people about babies you know sometimes they have their first baby and they go oh you know they just try everything and Mm. they eat everything and this is all to do with parenting and how you expose them to food and then cut to the second baby who doesn't like you know maybe Mm. like he doesn't want to eat this or doesn't want to eat that and then they realize maybe you're just born that way that you know even as a little baby the things you don't want to eat or you know a lot of children don't eat fish and then they discover it when yeah. you know, they're older, I think sad. My stepson didn't eat a piece of fish till he was about forty, you and know? then loved it. And then loved yeah. it. Yeah. You know? So you're right. Like we didn't go out to eat a lot. It was Pizza Express, often for like birthdays or you know like a special mm. occasion. And then it was quite often the pub. Mm. Oh, you know, the pub. The pub, Let's food, talk about pub food. You know, what was that like? Well, that was pre-gastro pub. I guess it was kind of on the cusp of. Mm. Ga- I remember the first gastro pub opening up, and people being really excited about it. But but mm. before that, it was kind of you know bangers and mash, fish and chips. Yeah. Those and eggs, would, what are those eggs? It's, oh, uh, pickled eggs, eggs or Scotch eggs. <laughs> you never had a Scotch egg? I did. I you mean, sometimes it. you can have one. The pickled eggs, I, I had a 
bit of a problem. Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely that, not. That might have been a step too no, far for I an wouldn't. American girl. Yeah. To, I wanted that, to take pictures of people eating marmite and, and give it to, I wanted to do a photographic essay because I was in art school of, of getting Americans and getting them to taste toast with marmite and seeing the expression on their face. Is there not an American equivalent no, in the way that there's kind of a down. veggie mite? No, I'd But never back seen then there was that. nothing no, like that. Not in my lifetime. And, uh, and do you like Marmite? You'd love it, probably. I didn't try it until I was 35, and Greg yeah. made me try it, and now I love it. Yeah. But the yeah. idea of it back then made yeah. me want to hurl, you know. Yeah. But actually, yeah, do you, I can see by your face that you still it's think still it's an not. abomination. Richard loved it. Richard did, like, Marmite on toast and, like, in bed at night, that would be like, oh, no. Uh, in know. bed at night? Yeah, Richard you would have Marmite. <laughs> he would always have a toast and Marmite. <laughs> you know, Richard, he, did, he broke all the rules, you know. <laughs> That's but brilliant. Was very sweet. But you described living at home and being a fussy eater, but was the baking interesting to you then? Did you want to cook as well as eat? I always baked from like, as a very small child, we had mm. cookbooks that were deliberately for children to learn how to bake. Mm. You know, it was always desserts. They never said, mm. you know, you can make pasta, mm. spaghetti mm. vongoli. It was always mm. like, you know. Mm. And I remember we had a Roald Dahl's disgusting cookbook, which mm. was all the recipes that they make in his books. So yeah. it was like Bruce, Bruce Bogtrotter's disgusting mm. chocolate cake or whatever mm. it was called. So I used to make a lot of those. So I've always baked throughout my life. I've always loved it. And I didn't have any interest really in cooking. Mm. So yeah, I think my 20s were a bit, I was sad. I was a very sad 20-something-year-old. So you'd left school did you leave home or did you live at home I did when you not went to leave home. school I was just too unhappy couldn't yeah. leave home mm. having panic attacks all the time couldn't really do very much but so you went to art school I went to art school in London which one did you go St Martin's yeah uh, but I wasn't very good and I was also very sad so yeah. the two things combined did not yeah. did not do very well for me so yeah I, I lived at home until I was 20 six 27 my mom always says that's like the perfect jewish mother thing of like have your kids live at home and i'm like you're not jewish (laughs) she's like yes but scottish as well and i'm like i don't i don't think that's true so would you still sit down to meals with your parents most nights but i think i think there's that funny thing with mental illness not mental health but mental illness Mm. where your appetite is completely affected by it one way or another. You know, mm. so quite often people overeat if they're feeling mm-hmm. sad or anxious mm. or stressed. And and the same is true of the undereat. And so food either becomes something that you cling to and rely on. So quite often I would really overeat and kind mm. of gorge on things. You know, I remember driving to this new donut shop and having, I think I ate 12 donuts mm. in the space of two hours because I felt Why sad. Not? Why yeah. not? You know, I felt yeah. sad. And then, but then there would be other times when I would just food just kind of lost all you just can't stomach it and and that's so common so I think most of my 20s food was slightly dictated to me by how I was feeling at the time so it wasn't really until I hit my 30s and I sort of started looking outwards towards new cuisines new Mm. experiences you know the idea that food didn't have to be stodgy or Mm. or bland and now my palate is I would say like if you'd asked 17-year-old me whether 39-year-old me would be eating the things mm. that I eat, she'd have been horrified. Mm. But my food, my diet is completely different. I'm really interested in what happened to get you out of that cycle. You know, the, the girl who was in her 20s, living at home till she yeah. was 26, and then... I was just so scared of everything. Yeah. And I think that partly meant I was unadventurous around things like food, sure. which is, you know, maybe sure. the smallest part sure. of that, but, you know... I didn't fly for five years. I didn't get the train, mm. the tube mm. for a decade. Mm. was uninterested in trying new things. And then 
I realized that I was very anxious and I needed to do something about that. I did lots of things. You know, I started running. I went to a good therapist. I did all these brilliant things. But but I also, part of trying to break free from anxiety is always trying to push back against the anxiety mm -hmm. and doing new things, doing things that scare you, all of those things. And so, yeah, it's not that food scared me, but it, I, I knew that I had to start in every element of my life, in every aspect, trying to break out of patterns that I had sort of locked myself mm -hmm. into. Yeah, so that just meant I had to try. If I didn't want to try food, I had to try it. Hmm. So that was my rule. You did. That was your rule yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Limited, obviously, by the fact that I'm yeah. a vegetarian. So yeah. if someone handed me, you know, sirloin. Yeah, yeah. 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 But everything else, I just said, if I don't want to try it, that means I have to try it. That's kind of the mantra. If you don't want to do something, then you have to do it. So from that, I tried everything under the sun that wasn't full of meat. And surprise, surprise, that's the thing you learn, right? Is mm. that you're going to like 90% of it. Yeah. You know, there's very it's few good, things. Good. Yeah, that I tried, yeah. that I thought... In fact, I can't think of anything that I've tried in the last 10 years that I haven't mm. thought, oh yeah, this is great, why didn't I try it earlier? I feel so angry with myself sometimes that I wasted okay. so much of my life not eating the most brilliant array of things that now I get to eat and I think, oh my God, you know, yeah. my palate was so bored. It, was, it must have been so bored, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, so now I eat everything. And like I say, 16-year-old me would just be like, I don't understand. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. How much do we love your novel? Oh, thank I mean, you very much. It's a beautiful, great book. I say how everybody in the River Cafe, when I told them you were coming, has it's so read weird, your isn't book. It? It's you know, so weird. It's not weird at all. But it is weird to me you because, know. you know, I still think, in my mind sometimes, I still think it hasn't even, you know, I've it's come out and I've read it, but it's yeah. still really weird to think about other people reading it and and you're putting something out into the world and then it's not really yours anymore because mm. it's, it's yeah. you know, people that love it or people that hate it or people that think you're terrible or... So it's everyone else's reactions to it after a while. So, yeah, it's a very strange phenomenon. Do you have a routine for eating when you're writing a novel? You have that blank sheet of paper, which is now on your laptop screen, but how do you, how do you start the day when you're writing? So I get up, I have Diet Coke, which is really mm -hmm. bad, but that is my favourite. Yep, for breakfast. Mm -hmm. That's my. It's not a diet thing, it's just that I love Diet Coke. Yeah. I think, is, it, is it President Trump? Did he say, 
I've never seen a skinny person drink Diet Coke. But then apparently he had a Diet Coke butler at the White House. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. you, so you start your day with a Diet Coke? I start my day with Diet Coke because... I've Nancy been a, Pelosi starts hers with the chocolate ice cream. So oh, every God, morning, that's living. Are you every kidding? Every day she has chocolate ice cream for breakfast. Yeah, that's her thing. Oh, I mean... Like I aspire to that yeah. level of kind of being a grown-up and just yeah. deciding that you don't have to live so by the rules. Yeah. 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 So, so I, okay, so yeah, you have a Diet Coke. Because I love it so much. I love it mm. so much. I've got to give up because it's going to, I'm sure it's Somebody like burning. Coke Zero is better for you. I'm sure it's burning my insides to, you yeah, know. Yeah, maybe Coke Zero. I don't know the difference. They'll Somebody all talk to me Coke and they'll be like, just, branding just acid. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so I have that. Then I have, normally I have yogurt and granola. Mm-hmm. just because it's easy and then for lunch I will have salads like big salads full of like so you're home most all most, the day yeah that's the yeah. worst thing is that I'm writing yeah. from home so what I started doing is going out for lunch on my own that's good so I like I run I have lunch somewhere you know like nothing fancy but mm-hmm. I love the Italian delis around Clerkenwell there used mm-hmm. to be loads more but but growing up those were where we would get kind of you know, our treats, you know, mm-hmm. fresh pasta. That was the only place mm-hmm. that did fresh pasta or, you know, amaretti biscuits mm-hmm. or, you know, all of that stuff. So if I can, I'll run somewhere and go and eat for lunch because otherwise I am literally on my own all day. And then, yeah, and then I'll, I graze all day. So it's like, you know, those Spanish crisps, the kind of olive oil crisps, mm-hmm. you know, I'm constantly eating those and I'm eating salted almonds and chocolate. I'm always eating chocolate. Mm-hmm. So all day long or popcorn, like there's always like mm-hmm. sort of, it's like party food, but yeah. it's just for me while yeah. I'm writing because I sort of think, do another 500 words and then break and have mm. chocolate. And then whatever I'm eating in the evening, I will always have ice cream afterwards every single night. So what about alcohol? Do you drink? I love you wine. Do, you yeah. love wine? I love wine. Again, I'm very controlled about it because mm. I think that's my personality. And with anxiety, you know, that's just how I, I you feel like you have to try and control uncertainty. Mm. So I'm never drunk. Like I'm never drunk, mm. drunk. And I don't get hangovers because I know my limits. But I would will always have a glass of wine with dinner. Always, red wine. Really? Every mm-hmm. night? Yeah. I think the most joyful thing in the world is probably a bowl of pasta and a glass of red That's wine. red wine. Yeah. So what happened then going back is the, you know, you figured out that you're going to taste food that you had never tasted before and, and start cooking and trying and experimenting. And then how did that co- coincide with getting better? It was funny because weirdly it coincided with a period where I started running and I was still feeling kind of unhappy because, you know, I'd just been dumped basically and I was feeling kind of crap about that. And so I started thinking, I I remember thinking at the time, well, I'm just going to lose weight because then I won't, what, he'll he'll want me still Mm. or he'll realise he made a mistake or something. So it was at the same time when I I was trying to lose weight and I... So I was on these three paths. One was enjoying food, one was losing weight, and one was running all the time. Mm. And I remember there was a point about a year afterwards where I ended up in hospital with tonsillitis and the nurse weighed me and I was quite clearly very underweight for my height, my age, all of those things. And I realised, oh my God, I've fallen into this pattern of restricting... I was eating different food Mm -hmm. but I was restricting food Mm -hmm. and I was running kind of you know eight kilometers a day Mm -hmm. and somehow I'd fallen into this kind of disordered eating pattern without even realizing it which again it's about control about being anxious you know all of those things but that felt really sad to me at the time because I remember thinking the joy of of my 20s and teens was I never got sucked into that diet culture I didn't didn't have friends who were I did have friends friends, like that yeah but me never I never weighed myself I never counted calories I never did any of that stuff yeah and I thought oh, I'm past 30, I must, I must be past that. You know, I've, I've escaped that one thing that, you know, so many women fall kind of victim to. And then it sort of hit me at about 32 and I thought, oh, it did get me. You know, it's mm. so easy. You know, the, the moment you start looking at food as calorie 
containers mm. rather than as kind of delicious or whatever, mm. then the way you eat changes. So, mm. so for a long time, I was sort of restricting the good stuff like, you know, olive oil or cheese or, you know, all those delicious things. And I was viewing them more as kind of a treat, a treat rather than a, you know, just a kind of way of life or just something you might want to eat. So that was kind of difficult for a couple of years where I thought I, I was, I suddenly realized that I was sort of seeing food, not as an enemy, but as a sort mm. of something I had to, again, kind of control or, you know, manage. Did you go on different kinds of diets? Just, you, I honestly just kind like of... all protein? Or no, this, I was just really cognizant of how much how many calories were in things you know I just and once you know that it's really hard to get out of your head because if you know what's a chocolate bar is you kind of it doesn't you can't forget that you know so it's kind of once it gets into your head it's quite difficult to get out of your head it also affects you socially I mean the times that I've gone you know say I'm not going to eat today or tomorrow and then you go to a dinner party you kind of sit a little bit back don't you you're not leaning in you know you're thinking about when you found out was that the turning point when the nurse told you you were so underweight. Did that make you? No, think? I think at the time I thought, woohoo, you know, look at me. Uh-huh. And it's, I think, I just think at the time you can't, when you're in it, you're in it and you can't sort of see that that's not okay, really. But I remember being kind of surprised. But no, I think it was kind of meeting Greg and being happy again. Yeah. And not just because I met a guy, but, you know, I'd, mm. I'd sorted out a lot of stuff kind of mentally. And, and yeah, so food became fun again because we were living in um, East London and there were just so many brilliant restaurants everywhere and we fell in love over food. You Did know? you? Yeah. So what was that like? Tell me about falling in love over food. It just, there's something so amazing about sitting with just one other person mm. over dinner, you know, be it at the bar or in a booth and there's nowhere to go and it's just, it's just the perfect atmosphere, you know. And our first date was a, he'd booked dinner after we went to see a comedy show, which I just found extraordinary because I'd never been on a date with someone who'd taken yeah. me for dinner before. And I said, I said, are you going to, should we go to the pub? And he said, no, I've booked dinner. And I thought, wow, you know, this mm. is incredibly grown up of you. So I think it kicked off from that. We just had, you know, four hours in a restaurant that night and fell in love and he stayed over and we never left. And yeah. so restaurants were kind of our thing. And then obviously he then got this job where he's, he's on the breakfast show and he gets up at 5.30 in the morning. So... He goes to bed at nine, you know. Mm. So it kind of is oh, a that's bit when of a, you like to sit down to dinner. Yeah, that's when I want to go out for dinner. And obviously by then he's kind of in bed. So yeah. it's, it's a bit of a killer. And so we still try and go out like Thursdays, Fridays, you know, Saturdays if we can. And then mm. obviously for special occasions, like we come here. Mm. or So we do still try and go to restaurants. But it's the way we bond. If we fall out, we go out for dinner. Yeah. You know, a restaurant is a public space, but you see quite a lot of people crying. Not so much in the River Cafe, but our waiters will tell us that they've experienced people crying over dinner. People get fired in restaurants, people get proposed to in restaurants, and people, as you say, is very often people go to make up. You know, you want to just, we're being taken care of, we don't have to get up and down, we can just be served. And I think that's waiters, you know, are very sensitive to that and that's, that's a what we skill like in, in itself isn't it you yeah. know to know kind of yeah. to be able to intuit what sort of mood people are in yeah but I think yeah there's something especially after covid where we were all stuck indoors and everything you know if you were with someone you were sort of lashed to them mm. you know and there was sort of no mystique and no no separation you know mm. sometimes you have to go away from someone to miss them or you know or go out of the house so you know in a way it's now more important that we get to spend time away from our house because we've been in it we were in it for such a long time and so it does act like that reset where you kind of go oh I'm, it's like we're it's dating gonna, yeah you know, we're on a date yeah, here and yeah. it feels really special so we still do that and greg is a massive foodie so so we do, he is, do isn't it, he? yeah he, he really is, is. So like nice. he and he's one of those guys he'll eat anything and he can kind of 
be in raptures about, you know, what he yeah. ate for dinner the night before and talk about it. And remember it. I'm amazed at people's food memories. As you're talking about your first date, you know, that people can remember what they cooked to seduce a girlfriend, you know, or what they cooked when they were they were told somebody had died or what yeah. they told that they can... It's a bit like music. If I listen to a song, you can sort of remember where you were when you heard that piece of music. Yeah, and then you know, there are things remember that the you, mood you were yeah. feeling and food is like that. I yeah, think. there are things that, you know, sometimes if you were heartbroken and you'd eaten a lot of something, you can't mm. eat it ever again. Yeah. Or, you know, you were falling in love and you remember something. That's completely yeah. true. There are yeah. totally... There are things that are evocative of a time. I remember this pasta sauce I used to make that I just can't make anymore because it reminds me of being sad, yeah. sad at a time in my life, yeah. you know, and... And conversely, I think the reason I ate 12 donuts is because my first memory is of my sister being born and my dad buying me a donut in that mm -hmm. kind of, your sister's here, please yeah, don't kill her. Life is you know, change. Yeah. So I remember going <laughs> yeah. to the hospital, my mum said, here's your baby sister. And I said, look at my donut, you know, like, mm -hmm. look at this amazing yeah. thing that I've been given. And yeah. to me, that was kind of the best day, but nothing yeah. to do with her. It was yeah. just to do with the fact that I'd got this amazing thing. So, yeah. yeah. How, how old were you then? Two and a half. Yeah, so you can remember yeah. that. Yeah, I can remember holding it. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because I was so excited about this, yeah. you know, sugary bun. So maybe that's my formative memory is, you know, having to be told my life was going to change forever. Yeah, but sugar, <laughs> sugar, sugar, sugar will help you through. <laughs> There's no one else in my life that has a tooth as sweet as mine. And when I was seven, I came back from the dentist with a gold tooth because the dentist said that is an adult tooth and it's going to rot because she eats so much sugar. So, much sugar. so they, put, they gave me a gold tooth for a year to protect it. <laughs> And it's never gone away. My mum once, she said, I'll give you, I think it was £100 if you don't eat sweets or chocolate. I like for an bribery, entire, as yeah. a form of bribery as a form of parenting. Bribery as a form of parenting. I did, Richard used to say, yeah. if, you don't, if you pee in the toilet, I'll give you, what's it, £100? Yeah. 10 quid like, or whatever, 10, you know, yeah. Just pee in the toilet. Yeah, just but, please. And they yeah. do, do because even kids understand, you know, money. But it was a hundred. I think it was 100 quid, which was a lot of money for a year, for me not to eat sugar. And I think I did about eight months. And then, this doesn't speak well to my, my character, but I just realised I could cheat. Yeah, I just realised I could just go tell to the sweet that, shop yeah. and be like, "I've not had any sweets." It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a, that's a result of yeah. you know parenting. Yeah, you could learn how to <laughs> exactly if they're teaching I'll you bribery. You. Yeah. yeah, I'll meet you with. The yeah, line. you're thinking, yeah. well, I'll also do fraud. So but, it's a slippery slope. But yeah, that for me, it's like I would rather have dessert than mains. Would you? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I, are there certain desserts that you you always go for? Tiramisu. Tiramisu, yeah. the tiramisu. So yeah. you probably stole the tiramisu. I probably did too. But you know what, Ruthie? Yeah. I think I will just give one addendum <laughs> to that story, which was that there was, a, there was a thunderstorm that night. We were all sheltering indoors, and it was my birthday the next day. And you came out with the tiramisu, and you said, this is your birthday tiramisu. Exactly. And so it was, in fact, my tiramisu. Yeah. So when I woke up the next day hoping to have breakfast oh, no. tiramisu, the story's getting it worse wasn't in the fridge. So someone in your family had they come and stolen. It. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? I didn't so, know that they had taken it back. I actually think it's quite a dark story. I, yeah, I think we could get this maybe some family therapy here <laughs> and say whether well, they, they took what was rightfully yours. Yeah, I mean, a judge would have to decide. That was rightfully yeah. theirs. Mm, it's, I, a, it's a tricky it's situation. Style, but I'm really sorry for yeah, that. Thank and, you. you know, I'd make I've been waiting for that <laughs> apology for about 10 years. Whole tiramisu. We're doing thank tiramisu at the River Cafe, which is quite contentious, you know, to put tiramisu. Why was it contentious? Well, because, you know, the Italians, often feel that the food that's been transported out of Italy is not really Italian food anyway. You know, carbonara, they say, didn't exist in Rome. Like sure, the mythology yeah. tells you that it was the workers. But it was something that, you know, so I put cheese and butter into penne and called it carbonara in America. And I think tiramisu really was 
an invention of, of a chef either in France or in the United States. Are you kidding? It was not. But, it, you know, in the end, what we thought is it's actually really delicious. Yeah. You know, if you have one that has too much coffee or fake rum yeah. or not enough beaten mascarpone, so it's very light. But if you actually think that what you're having is coffee, alcohol, and mascarpone, cheese and sugar, and cocoa, it's yeah. pretty yummy. And so we, we do it, and people like it. We, you know, we call who it River Cafes, like tiramisu, you know. Does Greg, does he like sweets? No, not really. Yeah. And I'm, that, I've stopped baking as much because, oh. because I work on my own. Yeah. And Greg doesn't really love baking. So I make, there are a few things I still make. I make French flan quite a lot. I love that. Oh, it's Is so that, nice. Are you talking about like creme caramel? Yeah, yeah. I love it. So, because yeah. he loves that. So I make yeah. that quite a lot. And I still try and make, you know, occasionally I have an Italian cookbook of recipes of dessert, mm. so I make that, but there's not anyone really for me to cook for. Yeah. So then I thought I should do a cookbook called Baking for One. <laughs> Good one, Baking for One. You could make one panna cotta. Yeah, one profita oh, would, roll. Would a, would a cake then become a cupcake? Yeah, you'd, yeah. it would have to be a small, Everything I, don't, be I don't like cupcakes. I don't like cupcakes either. But That's you know, interesting you don't like no. I don't either. Well, they were very All fatty, that, weren't they? Yeah, you know, sort of five years ago, everyone yeah. wanted to have cupcakes, but yeah, they're just no, very... Well, they're very dry. I always think that cupcakes have I like the stuff on the top sometimes yeah. that really bad yeah, icing yeah. and then you have to kind of eat all that cake quite dry yeah very so dry very yeah. very dense very yeah no yeah. I'm not a fan of cupcakes yeah. but you could do one profiterole one chocolate eclair yeah you know the measurements for just kind why of not? one why not that's actually a good you know idea. for lonely people because I'm lonely people but there was also just the amount of the size of yeah. a cake Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. As an athlete, would you eat before you ran? Would you eat after you came home? Would you have a sort of know what foods would be good as someone who wanted to run? I think nutritionally you do, as a runner, you get better at realizing what you need the longer you do it for. And what is that? What do you need? You need protein, you need good carbs um, and fats. You know, you need mm. fats. And actually, mm. if you're trying to run and you're not eating enough, your body is going to tell you about it. Mm. You know, you can't do it. So if you want to run 10 kilometers or 15 kilometers, you need to be compensating for that fully. Mm. So at the times when I wasn't doing that, I was running probably quite slowly, whereas now... My pace is a lot quicker because I, you know, because I'm eating actual food. Again, it's like that sad thing of, I think diet culture is being pushed back at a lot by today's, I don't know what you see in your granddaughters, whether they sort of talk about it or... Yeah, they, a lot, uh, they talk about it. They're, they're pretty, depends on the age as well. These little ones are just eating. Mm. And as a parent, you know, as you know, it's sort of 
food is so complicated. Mm. You know, it's it's just how you nurture your child, and then the child knows that if they reject it, yeah, you know, course, they're kind yeah. of damaging you. Or, and you know, we get you know same thing in the restaurant. You get people who want obsessed with food, so they want to cook. But then they also have eating issues. Yeah, you know? I, so well, I guess the thing. overlap must be, mm. it must be quite high, you know, yeah. higher than other industries of kind of people yeah. that want, because because the love part of cooking is, mm. I love you, I want to cook yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. And but that doesn't necessarily mean you love yourself exactly. enough that exactly. you want to eat what yeah. you've made, yeah. you know. And yeah. I think that's kind of, it's, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Because it, people always call those people feeders in a kind mm. of derogatory way, but actually it's not. It's mm. those people are trying to be as loving to you as possible while not, being able to afford themselves the same compassion which is sort of tragic mm. so I'm trying to be more compassionate towards myself and I'm Good. trying to just enjoy enjoy the pizza enjoy the kind of the baking more and mm. and I'm still trying to eat everything that I don't want to eat how do you get your proteins as a vegetarian as a vegetarian what, yeah it's difficult isn't it I, what I, do think, you do? I think probably I don't get enough protein actually mm -hmm. just because I never I never really know what is like what's got protein mm -hmm. in it mm -hmm. like Legumes, mm. beans, beans. I'm big yeah. on lentils, bolotes, and rice together. I think rice. In Spanish country in Mexico, they always have rice and beans. Rice and, and beans. They say it's the the combination, the best combination. Yeah. So yeah, I eat a lot of lentils and bolotti mm. beans and cannellini beans and all of that kind of mm. stuff. So I sort of hope that that's gonna. You know that my bones aren't going to sort of suddenly, you know, give up on me halfway. But I, do you always think about the eyes of the cow? Yeah. That, it, that and same thing with fish. You yeah, just everything. don't want to go. Yeah, near I just can't. Yeah. What did you eat last night? Uh, last night I had. I made myself Greek food. No, did you? What yeah. was that? I made myself baba ganoush, tabbouleh, mm. um, halloumi, aubergine meze. Mm. I love doing things with aubergine. Yeah. I love aubergine yeah. too. Don't you? Yeah. I love putting it on a yeah. naked flame okay. and burning it on yeah, the, the twisting whole, it around. Exactly. Yeah. For yeah. like 15 minutes so that and suddenly it shrinks, you know, yeah. the skin just kind of and then you can just the the entire inside will just almost yeah. already be like puree. Yeah. So I, that smokiness is so delicious. So, so yeah, so and now that's what I mean. I now cook for myself. Everything is made from scratch. I don't buy anything so you go to where do you shop um it's an amazing shop called phoenicia mm -hmm. and it's a lebanese supermarket mm -hmm. just down the road from us and i remember, there was one day when yotam atalengi name checked it in a mm. in a thing about where he buys all his food and he said i buy all my food oh. at phoenicia and i tore it out and i took it down to them because i was like they're going to be so excited this and i gave it to the guy and he honestly eye rolled at me and pulled out like a stash of them and every person the morning, brought, that morning had brought him this thing about Ottolenghi and he was like lady yeah. we know and now yeah. it's laminated in the window oh. because you can buy you know spices that you've never heard of you can buy brilliant fruit and bread you can buy Mediterranean meze I mean it's mm. it's amazing so it's yeah such a change I mean we'll go back to politics and how much we need culture other cultures we need mm. you know the idea of Brexit or closing our doors to people who are going to teach us how to cook a new food or eat a new food is just so crucial to a city. I did a conversation with Autumn, and though he and I cook in very kind of different, my, my mm. recipes are shorter and his go on for oh, yeah, yeah. ingredients, and it's, they're so good, and he's so good. And I think that 
opening the door for people to have ingredients, to try different foods, and to have different cultures is something that's changed a lot. When Rose and I did our first cookbook, people would always say to us, well, it's all very well to put a salted anchovy on your recipe, but where are we going to get them? And now, of course, also with the of internet, yeah, you yeah. can order everything. You know, you can get, if you can't get it from your local place, you Yeah, because I remember it. even sort of 15 years ago, people used to sort of, the sort of cliche about otolenghi was where are you going to buy all of this stuff yeah and actually yeah now no, you no. would be easily able to buy so that you, stuff when you cook the meze you, you have no trouble getting no nothing yeah yeah and that's because i live like on a kind of bustling multicultural part yeah. of town which has yeah. all of those kind of amenities which is amazing but my mum said going back to your point about sort of you know restaurants and and shops and stuff my mum said that you know they hadn't had proper ice cream until there was a kind of italian immigration sort of drive in the 40s and 50s and lots of Italians came to the village where she grew up and opened an ice cream parlor called Bazocchi's mm. and suddenly they were having gelato in like 1955 you know and, and she said when we were growing up she said you have no idea there were not restaurants like mm. there are now you know this yeah. idea that you'd go out to a restaurant just it wasn't a thing that you did whereas yeah. now you know yeah there you go yeah. yeah so I guess that we've been through you know cooking for our own mental health and not eating when we're hungry or eating when we're not hungry or food and family and babies and donuts. And so I suppose <laughs> the food is all that and it definitely is memory. It also is comfort. Mm. And so I guess my last question to you as I ask everyone is, is there food that you turn to specifically when you feel you need comfort? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, my mother makes mashed potatoes and because I love her so much, that is kind of the, that's kind of the thing that I want to say is just I would make mashed potato in honour of her. But I wouldn't do it as well as her, so I think it would make me sad. <laughs> so I think I'm going to say that at my saddest moments when I really felt like the world's falling down or when my family have needed to come together for things, you know, to, to sort of support each other through grief or sadness or whatever else is going on, it's always pizza. pizza. So I'm going to say a really good pizza... And when, because it's so communal, everyone's eating the mm. same thing, you're sitting around these boxes, it feels very informal. And that feels to me, that feels so lovely. You know, everyone's sort of scarfing it into your mouth, no one's speaking because you're sort of enjoying it so much. And it's gone, you know, mm. like that. So, mm. yeah, you're not, there's no ceremony behind pizza. It's definitely a kind of, it's like the sweatshirts of food, yeah. you know? So yeah. that would be my choice. That and then ice cream, and then I'd be happy. Oh, we're happy. Yeah. Well, I hope you don't need to go for comfort because I just want you to be happy. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming. It's all, my pleasure. My love. Yeah. Thank you, Bella. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes, beautifully illustrated, with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomai Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. 
It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterH-E-L-P.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 